but right here, buddy, that's a tattoo. Wow, that's David Dunham. by Pump Monkey Septic Services. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is Thursday, August 31st, and we're officially four days away from Clemson football. I'm your host, Drew Archer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. How's it going, Matthew? It is one of those days, but we are here and ready to talk some football. You're here. Uh, we've had some scheduling issues, some technical difficulties. Uh, I listened to the fourth quarter hype video before we got going with this episode, so I think we're good to go. <laughs> that should get us through. <laughs> well, college football is back. Uh, I don't know about you, but something about waking up today, it just felt like all was right in the world. I know we got a hurricane coming. Hawaii might be on fire, but... In the college football world, it seems like everything's right. Most most teams are still undefeated. We had a little bit of week zero uh, matchups last week, but um, this is week one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, if you're not excited about this week's Clemson game, you better be because it is guaranteed to be one of the games of all time. One of the games of all time. Uh, so week one, the Tigers open up the season against Duke on the road Monday, Labor Day uh, at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, the all-time record between the Tigers and uh, Blue Devils. Uh, Clemson leads the series 37-16 to 16 with one tie. And Clemson leads the series at Duke 15-12. to 12. So, Matthew, you have any opening thoughts heading into uh, this week one matchup? I'm honestly just looking forward to football being played. I know we kind of talked last week about being excited for the season and not even sure if we were going to watch some football or not, but I did watch football, spoiled our recap of the week zero games, but I did watch football this weekend. Uh, so I'm just excited to have a full day of college football on Saturday. I mean, that's what where my mind's at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, it's going to be a football-packed weekend. Uh, I did not watch football. I did not watch any of these quote-unquote notable Week Zero matchups. At one point, Emily and I were watching something at, at home, and I think we ended an episode, and we're going to watch another one, but I noticed she was looking at her phone, so I pulled up the San Jose-USC <laughs> game, and for a split second, the second she heard like a whistle and looked up, she goes, what are you doing? <laughs> You tried so to pull a, a fast a, one on her. Yeah, I got a glimpse. Uh, I did take the over in that game, so I did win my first bet of the season. So um, I also lost money in the Notre Dame uh, Navy game. Uh, Navy did not uh, help me out any there. That game was not very fun. Well, we we'll get to that. I guess we can might go ahead and start talking about them if you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, I mean, Navy-Notre Dame, like you mentioned, that game was super boring. I, I did turn it on for the beginning of it, and I was trying to watch it, but Navy just couldn't really do anything, and it's already hard enough to watch Navy play football, so uh, that one hit the, hit the back burner pretty quickly. But um, Hawaii-Vanderbilt, on the other hand, 
and that game was exciting. I don't know if you checked out any of that one, but it was back and forth the whole first half. I I kind of tuned out in the fourth quarter. Apparently, most of the points were scored in the first half anyway, too. So uh, I got to see the most exciting bits of it. But that one was back and forth. A lot of offense, not a lot of defense other than turnovers. If you If you like turnovers and sloppy football, you should have checked that one out. It was a good one. I think we're going to see a lot of sloppy football heading into week one. Everybody's still working out the kinks. I didn't see any of that game. And the one glimpse I got of the Navy-Notre Dame game, some friends invited us out to go tubing down the Saluda River and just so happened to come into a brewery there, and they have it on TV, and saw the score and knew that my bet had lost basically immediately. So <laughs> um, losing my first bet of the season, and then while we <laughs> while we were sitting outside of the brewery, I got my first uh, yellow jacket sting of my adult life. Wow. Um I forgot how annoying those were. My hands swole up today. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had high hopes of watching football. I didn't watch any of these games. I did follow uh, the San Jose, U- San Jose State and USC game along on my phone, but that was about it. Well, you probably know more about that game than I do because that's the one game that I kind of did the check the score when I realized that it was going on and saw that it was not going to be a game and just turned it back off. So that was one that I did not pay much attention to. Yeah. Uh, other than the brief few seconds, I had it on the TV and just getting score updates to make sure my overhit. That was about it. So uh, that is about to change because I'm going to be glued to my TV for five consecutive days this weekend. So, all right. Before we get into our Twitter poll, we got our shout. We have to shout out our sponsor, Pump Monkey. Pump Monkey Septic Service is owned and operated by Clemson alumni Alan Powell, servicing the Upstate. Um, there's a huge demand in the upstate for septic services. Uh, Alan Powell, the owner, discovered this when he needed his pump uh, himself, and they told him it'd be two to three weeks before they could get out there, so let him know there was a need. And uh, thus, Pump Monkey Septic Service was born. So if you have septic tank issues, uh, need a pump, need a quote, give them a call at 864-710-2211. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. And again, that phone number is 864-710-2211. When the dump's funky, call Pump Monkey. Twitter polls. All right, our Twitter poll of the week. First, before we get into it, there's only one way you can participate in it, and that is following us on Twitter. Uh, so if you don't follow Nachos and Analysis, give us a follow there as well as Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and uh, what's the new one? Uh, Real? Was it Reels? No. Threads. 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 Yeah. I post on it every day, uh, but um, I can't remember what it's called. So this week's Twitter poll was which Clemson receiver will have the biggest impact this season? Uh, the options were Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, Cole Turner, Bo Collins, and for other, uh, we requested people get into the comments. So we'll read some of those comments here in a minute. Uh, but Matthew, uh, what's your thought here on this Twitter poll? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's obviously Antonio Williams. Um, if you watched any bit of last year's football, then you'll know he was the biggest playmaker on our offense. And we almost kind of started scheming plays just for Antonio Williams. I know that's something that 
we don't really do here at Clemson is scheming for our talent, but we kind of started to do that a little bit last year. So I expect a lot more of that. Expect a lot of plays this year designed to get Antonio Williams open and get him the ball. So that's what I would say to expect. I think you got to go with the um, go with the people here. I am going to go with uh, Bo Collins. Had a stellar freshman year. Uh, had shoulder surgery, a couple injuries, got banged up a little bit, uh, but it's proven that he can uh, have an impact and can be a, a reliable receiver. And I think with this new offense, I think he, he's going to uh, make an impact this year. So what did the people say? Cole Turner votes, which I don't know if you saw this, Matthew. Coach Sweeney was on uh, Kelly Gramlich and Eric McLean's show this week and was asked about Cole Turner and his speed. He said that no one is faster than him on the team except for maybe Wiggins. So wow. uh, Colt, sneaky fast. Interesting. I mean, I don't know how much stock to put in stuff that Dabo says like this because we, we've heard that Will Shipley would never lose a sprint in practice, and then <laughs> Will Shipley gets caught from behind all the time. No offense, he's our best running back, and he's super talented, but... I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put a bunch of stock in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Cole Turner got 4% of the vote. Uh, Bo Collins uh, with uh, 26%. Adam Randall with 29%. And then, like you, Antonio Williams got 41% of the vote. Um, as far as comments on this post, frankly, Howard got in and said, this is so hard because Williams is the only one that has shown an impact, really. We will need another one of these to show up. Uh, show impact for us to be dangerous again at receiver. I would love to see Randall be the guy, but there are there has been a lot of positive talk about Collins recently. Um, Clemson Attic gets in and says, I'm going Randall. We know what Antonio brings. If Adam, Adam and another wide receiver can step up so teams can't zone in on Antonio, it would be a huge for our success. And Adam is the most talented receiver we have other than Antonio. Um, so more comments on there, but if you want to get your voice heard each week with our Twitter poll, other than just simply voting, um, feel free to comment and we might read your comment on air. Yeah. And I, I'll just add also, I mean, usually I am pretty high on the Bo Collins train. Um, I've just been a little off of it this past year with his high school quarterback, not being our quarterback anymore. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think he's talented or will have a big impact this year. I think he's probably still maybe our best receiver overall. Um, but that's the reason why I'm a little a little more soft on Bo Collins coming into this year. And listeners will hear it here in just a moment when we get into our interview with uh, Jason Priester, which now as I'm saying that, I forgot to do our uh... – show preview with what we're talking about surprise jason priester is joining us uh here in a moment but um he he subscribes to the to the idea which which i do too there's a lot of talent on this team and we know they're good they hadn't put it together and it's hard to believe it until you see it so um that the hesitation with uh collins there as well with uh, from that aspect yeah i mean and Back on, I know Adam Randall has been very hyped up this offseason too, and I've been very impressed with just his physical de development that I've seen in 
pictures and videos of how much bigger Adam Randall has gotten this offseason. So I do expect him to be there to make an impact. He's going to be physically ready, which he wasn't last year, and we were still getting him on the field. Absolutely. So we will actually discuss uh, Adam Randall alongside um, uh, Cole Turner as well with this upcoming interview with Jason Priester, uh, the beat writer for all Clemson. Uh, so without further ado, Jason. Today, we are joined by beat writer and director of recruiting for all Clemson, Jason Priester. Thanks for joining the show today, Jason. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, man. I love what you guys do over there. Absolutely. I appreciate it. If, if memory serves me correct, um, I believe you were our first guest last year on our first episode. Uh, so two years in a row. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I feel honored, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, before we get into football, I hadn't really uh, spoken to you really since baseball season. That was uh, after the way the Tigers uh, went to postseason and, and then kind of that heartbreaking loss to Tennessee and then the the drama with Billy Amick, his departure and transfer to Tennessee uh, kind of put a damper on the a championship year in, in year one for Backage. Uh, what were your uh, vibes there at the end of the year? Yeah, just a brutal way to end a season. Um, that Tennessee game, man, it was just brutal. I, you were there, right? I mean, oh, it, yeah. it it was just brutal. One of the best games that I've been to in my life, though. You know, just kind of just despite the fact that it was a loss, but just still one of the best games. Felt like it wasn't ever going to end. But um, you're right. It kind of put a damper on on what otherwise was a very successful season far exceeded expectations or at least my expectations. I know Billy Amick leaving is not what the fan base wanted to see. And I get it. I understand all that. And I'm not going to get into the weeds and rehash all that, but I, I think the future is very bright for Clemson baseball. I've been sold on Eric Baggett since the first day I met him. Um, Call it man crush, call it whatever you want to, man. I love that guy. He puts it right out there and tells it like it is. I think he quietly made some moves. You know, they weren't flashy, what he did in the portal. But I think he addressed some needs. And I think he's got another stellar class coming in. I, 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 I am excited about the future of Clemson baseball. And I can't say I felt that way the past couple of years, you know, before the change in coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about how the magnitude of that game against Tennessee, there's a handful of games, Clemson games, depending on the sport, but they were losses, but they were exciting and fun game. That I tell people that that felt like a football game in Death Valley. Just the energy that was there. Deshaun Watson was was in the house and it, it just felt different than any baseball game that I've felt at Doug Kingsmore in a long time. Yeah, I rank that right up there with 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 some of the best games I've been to any sport, not just baseball. I mean, it was electric in there that night. Um, maybe the most electric I've ever seen it personally. Um, it, it was it it was fun to be a part of. Oh yeah, didn't it was, end great. Didn't end great, but it was fun to be a part of. No, no, it did not end great. Went long and on to football to discuss another loss to Tennessee. I don't know what your thoughts were uh but after the bowl game 
getting rid of Streeter was something that me personally, I, I didn't think Dabo would do. Uh, so that kind of came as a shock to me. But um, I know you've been around camp a little bit. What are some differences you've seen uh, with with uh, with practice and, and the offense and stuff uh, with Garrett Riley compared to how it has been in, in years past? Full disclosure, I only got to attend one practice this year. I got sick, and we only get allowed into three, so I, I got sick. I had to miss the first two, but I was at the third one. But I've been around up there for, for some of the media stuff, and I've been around the players. And, and, and the first thing that jumps off at me is, is there's a different feeling around this team. There's a different level of confidence that you've not felt in the past couple of years. These guys are not just talking about – they're talking about winning a national championship. You know, we've heard multiple players talk about it now. We've heard Dabo Sweeney kind of broach the subject back at Clemson Media Days. And I don't think these guys are doing that unless it starts at the top. I think that kind of trickles down from him. And there, there, there's, there's just a feeling of confidence in this team. I think they're the pieces are there to be great. I think they believe they can be great. We'll see if they can go out and be great. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that, that Dabo was willing to make that move and go out and, and you know, get rid of a, a Clemson guy. A guy that's played at Clemson, been at Clemson forever, um, was probably put in a bad spot. Dabo probably should have made this move a year ago, but that, you know, hindsight is what it is. Um, but there is a renewed sense of energy, kind of a breath of fresh air is the way I would describe it kind of being around since Garrett Riley's been on board. Um, so the depth charts were released uh, this week and a name that I'll admit I did not know or had forgotten until the ACC championship was when Cole Turner made that uh, play. He became the first 100 yard uh, receiver all season long. And, and he's listed uh, as or with a starter with uh, Adam Randall. Um, what have you heard about his offseason? And do you think what we saw in the ACC championship is just a glimpse of what's coming? I, you know, I talked, I remember talking to Cole Turner's high school coach right after he committed to Clemson, and he told me flat out, You might not know this kid's name right now, but two years from now, you're going to know it. You know, he, he had not played high school football, but two years, spent one season in a run, hit heavy offense, maybe option offense, I can't remember. Only played his senior season in the spread, so that's when they really started to see what he could do. But he's got, like, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. I don't think a lot of people realize that. He, he's got some wheels. He can move. Um, I was not shocked, but I was a little surprised to see him kind of listed as the co-starter with Adam Randall. That, that did surprise me a little bit. My only question about him is his blocking ability out on the perimeter. He's not the biggest of guys. He's not the most physical of guys. But I think he's a guy that can help this offense, and he can be a complimentary piece. Um, not sure he's a guy you want starting or being playing every down, you know, due, due to that. What I think has been a, might be a lack of physicality, and most of that's probably due to him just being a redshirt freshman, just needs more time in the program to work on his body. Those kind of changes don't happen overnight. But I think he's a a, a, a dynamic piece that, that can be an asset to this offense and help this offense stretch the field, something they've had issues doing the past two years. Absolutely. I was listening to Kelly Gramlich and Eric McLean's podcast today. They had Davo Sweeney on this week, and 
he said about the only person who could compete with Cole when it comes to speed is uh, Wiggins. So uh, excited to see that speed on display this year. Uh, similar question. We got another or in the um, depth chart, Tristan Lee or freshman Colin Sadler uh, at the left tackle position. Uh, what do you know about Sadler and could he possibly uh, earn a starting position this season? Now, this was the most surprising to me. I, I kind of have Tristan Lee penciled into that starting role, and I, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced he'd hang on to it, but I, I at least figured he'd be the guy. Um, this kind of tells me that Sadler's pushing him and pushing him hard. Um, I, I, you know, I loved both of those guys when they came in, Blake Miller and Colin Sadler. I think Sadler's got a very high ceiling. It would not shock me at all to see him win that job, and that's. That's not a knock on Tristan Lee because we're talking about a former five-star guy, one of the top players in his recruiting class. I, I just think that's how highly I think of Colin Sadler. I think he's a future NFL guy. I mean, I think he's got that kind of talent. And when you've got two guys that good pushing each other at that left tackle spot, you know, a lot of teams are probably wishing they had that problem. Would be nice to see one of them kind of separate themselves, but I expect that to happen sooner rather than later. So outside of Peter Woods, who's listed as or as well, backing up or along with Rook and Tyler Davis at both tackles position. Um, is there another true freshman that you see making a big impact this season? I gave you one on each side of the ball. TJ Parker on the defense. Um, I, I have loved that kid ever since the first time I watched his film when Clemson really started recruiting him hard late in that cycle. Um, you know, he's kind of listed. He's listed there behind Xavier Thomas. He's already came in and passed by Zaire Patterson. When you see him in person, he he just physically looks the part. He looks ready to go. We'll see if he can avoid hitting that freshman wall some guys tend to hit. But I think he's going to be a staple on that defense and see the field a lot. He's got, he's got those kind of pass rushing skills. On the offensive side, give me Tyler Brown. Yeah, another guy that can move and, and it has speed kind of got a little overlooked in my opinion in the recruiting process last year um i'm not so sure he wasn't the best receiver on that greenville team you know that also featured mazio bennett who's now south carolina was at one time committed to tennessee but um i, I think brown's going to be a nice piece of the puzzle this year too i think there are a lot of things they can do with him a lot of different ways they can use him kind of gives me artavis scott vibes you can use him in you know on the jet sweeps um what shot me to see him be the return man for the end of the season if if the coaches build up that kind of trust in him but you know he's got that kind of speed kind of similar to cole turner that i think this offense has lacked in recent seasons and with this offense looking to utilize the middle of the field more I think that's going to be a big asset for this offense. Sticking with that uh, position group, we we put out a Twitter poll each weekend. Uh, I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, the poll this week was which Clemson receiver will have the biggest impact this season. I only can give four options. I, uh, the options I put out there were Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, Cole Turner, and Bo Collins. Do you think it's one of those four guys or someone else on the roster? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think I'm still extremely high on Bo Collins. I think he can be as good as he wants to be. He needs to get some luck and, and you know, be able to avoid the injury bug. He's had some issues with those shoulders. But if he can stay healthy, I think he can have a good season. 
I'm extremely high on Adam Randall. I think some people are sleeping on him. I, I'm more familiar with him than a lot of these recruits that come into Clemson because he played over here near where I live, so I got to see him some in high school. He is dynamic. I think he has got the potential to kind of be the alpha guy in that room. We'll see if he grows into that as a sophomore. You know, some guys don't grow into that role until they get further into their careers, but I think he's got that kind of potential. Um, I think he's got that kind of playmaking ability. And we all know what Antonio Williams did last year. Um, and I think he's only going to be much improved after having a season in the program now. And I think this this offense, this new offense is going to take more advantage of his skill set. Let's put it that way. So I think he, he's going to be on the bigger and better things this year in this new offense. But if I had to pick one of those guys, Give me Randall, man. I think he's going to break out this year, and I think he is going to I, – I think he's going to have a big season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I agree with you. I think he's being slept on a little bit and excited to see uh, with him healthy a new offensive system here. I, I'm excited about it. Um, big picture, what are your what's your season outlook for this team? Dabo speaks, speaks very highly of it. Uh, do you have a – uh, prediction you think getting back to the ACC championship is is the uh is a possibility or even the final year of the four-team playoff I think this team has playoff potential um obviously you, you need some things to go your way you need to stay healthy in some spots especially a wide receiver especially a linebacker and most importantly a quarterback um you know, if you, if you can get some bounces, I think this team has the pieces to be a playoff caliber team. Now, what they do when they get there, that's a whole different ball game because that's the best of the best. And I, there's, to me, there's no arguing. Clemson's kind of taking a small step back from being one of those few elite teams in college football. Again, I, I think they got the pieces in place to kind of take a step back forward towards being that. I love what they did in this 2023 recruiting class. We'll see if some of these wideouts can develop into those that those kind of dynamic playmakers those those playoff teams had that's during that six year stretch. I, I think there are some that can develop into that, but most of them are still young. I'm not sure they're going to develop into that this year. Um, I expect this team to win the ACC. I picked them to win the ACC. I got them as a one-loss ACC champ making the playoff. I'm just not convinced they're going to make a lot of noise once they get there. I think they had the pieces in place to do it. I think they had the potential to do it. I just – I got to see it first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's – uh after the talent that was on the team and the way they've performed as of late, it is something I want to see before I go making the grand predictions. Uh, Jason, this has been fun. I got one last question for you before I let you go. Um Matthew and I are doing a season-long pick'em contest. This is the second year we've done it together on this show. Unfortunately, I was a loser last year and had to wear a Carolina shirt to the Cajun Cafe for the Clemson Carolina game this past year. So uh, we are taking in suggestions that we're going to put on a Twitter poll for uh, punishment for the loser this year. So if you have any ideas that we can throw out there, uh, feel free to 
that is hard to top, man. That is hard to top making you wear a Carolina shirt in the Cajun Cafe at the South Carolina game. That is hard to top. Um, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully there was uh, rain in the forecast, so I had an excuse to wear a, a jacket uh, for a lot of the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that day, but that – Hey, that's a good one, man. Whoever came up with that props, that is a good one. (laughs) I believe it was Matthew, the one that didn't have to do it. So, uh, uh, well, Jason, this has been fun. I appreciate you coming on uh, to our listeners. Give them a follow and follow all Clemson on Twitter. Um, Anything you got coming down the pipeline? I know the season's coming, so that means you're even busier. Uh, What can fans look out for? Yeah, we're fixing that ramp up our coverage. You know, we get we start getting players and coaches on Wednesday. So we're fixing to really start diving into game week, all ClemsonTigers.com. We're starting to do a lot of stuff over on our YouTube channel. Same thing, um, all Clemson. Um, come check us out. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Man, my pleasure. I pre- always appreciate you having me on. All right, thanks to Jason for joining us. Uh, as I men- mentioned in the interview, uh, I'm almost certain he's been our first guest uh, both and last season. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, always been willing to come on and chat with us and, and that sort of thing. So Always a friend of the show. Uh, thank you to Jason. Absolutely. All right. Fact or fiction? Fact or fiction? Factor Fiction, Clemson will have its first 1,000-yard receiver since Amari Rogers in 2020 this year. Hmm. See, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to say fact because I think we had a similar question last year, and I also said fact. At some point during the season, we had a similar question, and I was wrong. So I'm just going to keep saying fact and <laughs> until it works out, because it has to happen eventually. Um, we're going to pass the ball a lot more this season and be a lot more effective in the passing game than we have been in the past few years. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a no-brainer. It's going to be tough, and it's going to be close, but I'm, we will have a 1,000-yard receiver this year. I... Um, I'm going to differ. I'm going to say fiction. I think we're going to see improvement across the board in the wide receiver room. Uh, you're going to also see the tight ends get more involved. I think it's going to be a little bit more of production by committee, and you're going to see a lot of guys this season uh, make a lot of catches, get a lot of yards. Uh, but I'm going to go with three years in a row, no 1,000-yard receiver and be the contrarian here. Sad. <laughs> Factor fiction, Clemson needs 11 more wins to become the first ACC program and 14th FBS program ever to record 800 all-time victories. Uh, Well, excuse me, the factor fiction portion of that is Clemson reaches the 11-win mark this season. Well, I think I know where you're going to lean on this, so I'm going to say fact. I think 11 wins is very feasible for this team this year, even though... I know we talked in our our season preview last week about keeping your expectations in check, which is kind of sad, but I think 11 wins is keeping your expectations in check. Um, the schedule, like we talked about last week, works out for Clemson a lot. We've got a lot of tough games at home um, as opposed to being on the road, so I'm going to go fact here. I, I'm just going to be optimistic and manifest it. 
I I'm gonna go fact here as well. Hmm. I think you get one loss in the regular season, maybe make the ACC championship, win it or not. Maybe or maybe you go undefeated in the regular season, lose in a rematch to Florida State, uh, and maybe pick up a bowl win somewhere. So I I don't I don't know. I, based on what I said last week, I, I don't see Clemson making the playoff, but I could see a world where they make it to the ACC championship, whether they win it or not, and also not make the playoff where if they need to get one more victory in a bowl game, uh, they could do so. So Yeah, true. I, I kind of had assumed since you were kind of thinking more along a 10-win regular season, I guess, or 10 to 11 wins. That's why I kind of thought you might go fiction on that one, but I'm happy yeah. to agree. <laughs> All right, factor fiction. There will be over three and a half B-roll shots of Cameron Indoor Stadium during Monday night's broadcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to be positive again here and say fiction. Um, even though Cameron Indoor will probably fit the amount of people that will be at this game, i just going to say fiction because I want to be positive. <laughs> I don't want to be annoyed with Duke basketball talk during the game. <laughs> I I was the one who set this line here at three and a half, and now I'm like, uh, I think I might have to go fiction here too because three and a half is a lot now. Um, uh, I, th- I definitely think we'll see and hear a lot about it, uh, but you, you referenced the, um, the, the amount of people there. I was surprised at how many tickets were still available and at the price that they were available. Um, I was able to get two tickets for under 200 bucks in, in, in the – in the lower area in the Clemson section. So I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, that is surprising. I was just kind of saying that as a joke on Duke about poor attendance. (laughs) We shall see. Uh, Looking forward to going up there for for my first football game there. So should be fun. Weekly picks. All right. Our pick'em contest before Matthew and I get into it, give out, our picks uh we sent home with some homework in last week's episode to come up with a couple ideas that we'll include in a twitter poll for you the listener to vote on for uh, the loser of this contest to have to do as punishment at the end of the season um matthew did you do your homework yes um you might not enjoy it but i'll go i'll just run them off um I know we had said last week, or we you had brought up the idea of getting a tattoo as a punishment. So, and but I thought the nachos and analysis logo was a little too easy because you could probably hide it pretty easily. So my i my first idea is I almost texted you about this during the week, but I decided I'd just save it for the podcast. Uh, a tattoo of a national a Clemson national championship prediction, like sometime in the future. <laughs> 2030 plus um <laughs> and you can it can be on the thigh or something like hideable but uh some kind of like a tiger paw that says national champions in a year that has not happened yet um so, <laughs> so that's my first idea um and then my second one is uh kind of akin if you're familiar with the waffle house challenge um where you stay in a waffle house for 24 hours every waffle you eat is an hour off your time um except we're gonna do or my idea this is actually i have to shout out rachel my girlfriend um she had this idea is the 12 hour wean challenge 
where every litcher that you have is an hour off your time. Litcher? Litcher, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That could get dangerous. Yeah, exactly. It's a balancing act of, do you want to leave in six hours or do you want to survive? (laughs) I thought you were going uh, hot dogs uh, when you you said wean. I was like, I could get down with a hot dog. I think think a hot dog might be too easy, but the litcher, that's funny. And it's only 12 hours instead of the 24, so... How how long are they open? Are they open? Well, I guess they are. Yeah, open I think on hours. on Sundays, on Sundays and Saturdays at least, they're open for like brunch time. So get there at open, stay till close. How big is a litcher at, at Ween? Uh, I honestly don't know like what the ounces are. It's got to be thirty ounces minimum, though. Good gosh! <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, you went you went a little bit more extreme with yours than I did. I did offer up the nachos and analysis t- tattoo, um, and then my other idea was loser has to sign up for and take a SAT early one Saturday morning along with all the <laughs> high school students. That sounds really bad. <laughs> I've only taken I'd the SAT to do that. I've only taken the SAT one time, so I've never taken it. Really. The school I went to did not require it, which uh, was a big selling point. For me, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'll um, I'll go ahead. So... I'll before we get into the picks, um, I'll give an honorable mention to uh, another idea that Rachel had, but I thought it was too short of an embarrassment period. Um, her idea was to do karaoke at TDs, and the winner picks the song that the loser does. But I thought it was like. A lifetime of embarrassment and the tattoo. Well, I mean, you can cover it up, but uh, or like four hours was your of embarrassment was what you kind of had to go through last year with the Clumsuck shirt. Like, I feel like the karaoke is just too short. <laughs> it would be embarrassing Do- though. Yes, yeah, it would be embarrassing because I can o- one could only imagine what one of us would think <laughs> of a loser to have to sing. <laughs> um, all right, so. Are we are we sold on these as four? I'm really not a fan of the future uh, <laughs> the future national championship one. I, thought... I can handle uh, the the litcher at, at Ween. That might be a rough uh, <laughs> next day, but I have to. I can handle that one in the moment. I <laughs> see. I kind of thought the the national championship prediction one was like kind of similar to the nachos and analysis one where it was like you would never choose to do this on your own but since you're being forced to like it's kind of funny at least like i have enough space on my thigh right now to fill it up with a fake national championship (laughs) complete with the trophy and everything yeah well i mean i guess we can work on the design but it just has to insinuate that clemson will win the national championship in the future uh, so if this podcast still exists in said year, the loser who has the tattoo that predicted that year, they got to win something. Okay, yeah. If if Clemson does, <laughs> if it does come true when this podcast is still around in 20 years, they'll get like a 10 point bonus on the Pick'em contest that year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So a couple tattoo options. I feel like everyone's going to skip over the nachos and analysis tattoo option as, as part of the vote. Um, I don't SAT know. one, that one just never took the SAT, but it does give me like test anxiety. And I 
that sounds horrible, especially getting up early on Saturday morning, being the only adult in the room taking the test. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be <laughs> awful. But the good thing about test anxiety in the SAT is you're only counted for the questions that you answer. So you could theoretically answer no questions and get a better score than answering all of them. I have to take one of those SAT prep courses <laughs> beforehand if I, uh, <laughs> if I end up losing. So, all right. So uh, be on the lookout this week for a poll determining the loser, uh, the loser's punishment this year. But let's actually get into some picks last week. We gave um, some uh, season win total over and unders and our playoff picks uh, this week. We're going the same format we did. Learned about a quarter of a way through the season, but each week Matthew and I will do four picks. We will each, based on uh, the current Vegas lines, give our favorite team that you think will cover the spread. We'll also give out an underdog pick, the underdog that will cover the spread, and then a over and a under uh, game. So four games potentially i mean you could double up on uh, a game i think we did that a couple of times last year so one point per you get correct each week then we'll add in our picks their preseason picks we made last week at the end of the year um to see who's the champion it came down to the wire last year unfortunately i got the short end of the stick there so um some research this week matthew yeah i mean I did a little bit of research. I'm just going to run them off, though, if you're ready to go. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go favorite as UNC minus two and a half versus South Carolina. Um, it's a pretty tight line, but uh, I don't know. I'm just feeling UNC. They had a lot of momentum after last year. Uh, they have a really talented young quarterback that and I know South Carolina is very talented in the secondary and will probably be able to keep up with North Carolina's receivers, but uh, I'm just going to think UNC is going to be more than a field goal winner this weekend. All right. Uh, I am going out west. My pick for favorite is um, Cal minus six and a half. This is North Texas. Uh had a has a solid defense while last year north texas had one of the worst defenses statistically they were 110th in the country um so al's offense wasn't spectacular last year but uh with a lot of their returning talent and, and the poor performance north texas did last year on defense and cal wins and wins by more than a touchdown yeah i mean i i did consider that one that line was really low for that game but then i had to think back about how bad Cal has been recently, so it just <laughs> kept me off of that pick. But uh, underdog this week, I'm going Georgia Tech. They're plus eight versus Louisville. Um, I'm I don't know. I I'm just always kind of on the Georgia Tech train a little bit, I guess. So uh, I'm just gonna ride with them. I, Louisville might be decent. We'll we'll see. Dece I think Louisville's gonna be pretty good this year or decent. Uh, Louisville standards and um yeah I, I keep waiting on Georgia Tech they're in a recruiting hotbed and it's Paul yeah. Johnson they've been uh running through coaches can't seem to find a fit no yeah exactly that's like I keep having I keep feeling like Georgia Tech is like the sleeping giant pretty much in the ACC where they have all the 
all the tools necessary. They just got to put it together. Yeah. All right, my underdog, which I thought on. Oh, there we go. My underdog, I got USF plus 11.5 versus Western Kentucky. USF new offensive coordinator Alex Golish uh, was from Tennessee, and I believe that uh, their offense is going to look uh, very different this year. So I think USF covers that spread against Western Kentucky to open the season. Interesting. Uh, moving over to over, uh, I'm taking the MTSU and Alabama game. That's at plus or minus 51 and a half. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, Middle Tennessee State is going to score more than three in this game, but Alabama will score that line by themselves. My overpick is New Mexico versus Texas A&M. The over is set at 49, which I found to be kind of low. Um, Texas A&M didn't score a lot of points at times last year, uh, but you have a team that returns 82% of its offensive production this year. Uh, another year together, Northwestern gave up 30-plus points, or not Northwestern, excuse me, North, New Mexico gave up more than 30 points seven times last season. So similar to yours, that a lot or a majority of these points are going to come from Texas A&M. All right, and lastly, my under or my underpick, not underdog, my underpick. I'm um, going Coastal Carolina and UCLA this week. Uh, they're plus or minus sixty-five and a half, and I know both of those offenses can get up and going, but it's week one, so I'm not expecting too much here. Uh, more defense and more sloppy offense than touchdowns. Uh, my underpick, Kent State versus UCF. The under is at 57 points. Kent State has a heavy run game, and with the new running clock, uh, I think they're going to eat up some time of possession. UCF is favored by 37 points. Um, not going to be a close game, but I think uh, with the, the combination of Kent State's running game and the running clock, exception, I believe, the last two minutes of the half. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, that's right. The, I, yes. I think they're going to eat up some time. That's interesting. That's another thing that we didn't really bring up last week and what's new in this year of college football is the running clock, and that's going to really change the way the game is played, I think. Um, it's really going to give those running teams more of an advantage, like especially your option teams. Uh, they're going to be able to really grind the clock down and limit possession. So uh, I honestly enjoy playing that way sometimes like just keep the ball out of the other team's hands and mm -hmm. grind it out like that that's i don't if i were a coach i would play football like that i will say this is one rule that i wasn't all that that crazy about that's the one thing that I, that's one rule that i like that i think that college football does better than fell and i was listening to a podcast today where they, they were about they they've always wished that that was a rule that the NFL would adopt. Um, I think, I can't remember the exact number, but on average, the week zero games uh, were shortened by five to six minutes. So a um, little bit of a shorter game, which we kind of saw the changes made in Major League Baseball um, that was affected this season for that as well. Yeah, I was, I was interested. I'm glad you brought that up about how much it actually shortened the games because... It, it will be better for, as a TV watcher, but um, 
as far as the games going by quicker, but I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm on I'm on the fence about this rule. I really liked the stopping the clock and it it was very advantageous when you're moving the ball like in the middle eight. So uh we'll see how it ends up. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Clemson and Duke preview. We've got a lot of uh, talking points here. As I said at the top, uh, Clemson leads the all-time series 37-16 and one tie. Uh, Clemson leads the road series. The last meeting was on November 17th, 2018. Clemson won that by a score of 35-6. to And Clemson is on a five-game win streak against the Blue Devils. Uh, the spread is currently at 13 points with the over-under. Uh, being five and a half, um, if fifty-five and given a half, the, right? What did I say? Sorry, I I only heard five and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah, fifty-five and a half. Uh, if you had to pick one of those for Clemson to cover the thirteen-point spread or the over/under, which one of those would you take? Hmm. See, I'm kind of thinking that thirteen-point spread is a little low. Um, so I would rather Clemson cover that spread and. If Clemson wins forty nine to zero, technically you cover the spread and go under. So, I I would love a forty nine to zero matchup <laughs> there. <laughs> All right, I got a fun fact for you, courtesy of Dabo Uniform Tracker on Twitter. Don't follow Dabo Uniform Tracker; they are back and active for the season. So, if you were ever wondering what Clemson's record was, depending on what Dabo's wearing, they got you covered. So, Dabo is broken out sweatshirt for each of the three meetings with duke since he has taken over as head coach uh, and this will not happen monday based on the fact that it's going to be temperatures in the high 80s um so this begs the question matthew if duke takes advantage of the sweatshirtless dabo and beats will we as fans hold him accountable and push him to wear a sweatshirt uh, for a 215 kickoff in death valley next week uh <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> um maybe if it was a different team that isn't or who are we playing charleston southern uh yeah if it was like a similar um what's the word uh super Caliber. no like what's superstitious um if it was like the oh, yeah. same like level of super superstition where Dabo's only beaten this team while wearing the sweatshirt then I would agree, but this is Charleston Southern, so I don't want Dabo to have a heat stroke. <laughs> so you were saying if we play Alabama next week, it would be advantageous to wear because Dabo has not lost Alabama while wearing a sweatshirt. Sure, yeah. I'll... <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> so this is the hard-hitting stuff people came to this podcast for. Uh, so, uh, yeah, give form Tracker a follow. Uh, back to the football Clemson's attempting to approve to 96, 24, and 8 all-time and season openers. Uh, the Tigers have won 13 of their last 15 season debuts. Entering the game, uh, Clemson has not lost to Duke since 2004. Davos Sweeney's second season as Clemson's wide receiver coach. The winning head coach that year was Ted Roof, who was on the Clemson staff as a consultant. 2021 which is interesting because oh. these show notes are the first time i've ever heard that name so I, I remember i remember the name roof but uh couldn't tell you where he was from uh clemson's facing uh mike elko for the first time as as head coach 
Uh, a win would improve Clemson to 43-6 and six when facing an opposing head coach for the first time since 2011. Clemson did face Elko, just not as a head coach. He was on the staff at Wake Forest. Uh, Clemson was 3-0 against the Deacons during that time span. And Texas A&M, the Tigers were 2-0 against the Aggies during that time while he was on staff there as well. Uh, on the same subject of uh, facing new coaches, Monday marks the first of three consecutive games Clemson will face a new head coach at their respective school, Mike Elko at Duke, Gabe Gardenia at Charleston Southern. And then this was a name that I guess I completely forgot about in the offseason with everything going on, Tom Herman, the coach of Florida Atlantic. Yeah, that was a, I forgot about that also. Um, I was wondering if in these notes – where you got your sources from if they had mentioned if this has ever happened before of Clemson playing first time not first time head coaches but I guess facing them for the first time yeah and three games in a row that's pretty interesting I feel like it may it may have happened before because if you think about how the schedule sets up for a Clemson a lot of times you're facing these smaller schools where where coaches are constantly being turned out, whether they're getting promotions and moving up or, or getting fired and that sort of thing. So if it has happened before in a three-game stretch, I'd imagine it probably would be early in the season like this. Yeah, I think we might have even come close. I know we played Georgia Tech early in the season last year, and they were still on Jeff Collins at the point. Um, mm -hmm. So, But I know I think Louisiana Tech's head coach last year was the first time or like was his first year as head coach at Louisiana Tech and Clemson's first time facing him um and I believe the team after that but I can't it's slipping my mind right now of who it even was I, I feel like I remember us discussing it on the podcast last year I feel like whoever we played after or it might have been Furman's coach oh yeah true the week before um so uh in the series with Duke uh some uh Highlights over the years, 1997, Clemson and Duke met in the first overtime game between two ACC teams. Uh, the Tigers won the contest by an unusual overtime score, 29-20. to 20. David Richardson kicked a field goal on Clemson's possession. Then Raheem Ab Abdullah intercepted a pass and ran it back 63 yards for a score, giving Clemson the rare nine-point overtime win. Very interesting. Um that's probably a Clemson scoregami, if anybody on this podcast knows what a scoregami is. I'd imagine you don't see twenty nine end up yeah a final score too often. Uh, but kind of kind of like what we've talked about, there's a lot that we're looking forward to heading into the season. I think you're going to see Clemson take a lot of step forwards this year, but it's one of those things that. I I know I feel this way that I got to see it before I believe it. I don't know what to expect Monday night against Duke. The way that the the local media Dabo is talking uh, seems promising, but I wouldn't expect anything different out of Dabo. I, on the on the contrary, uh, Shane Beamer down in Clemson, he had his first uh, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, South Carolina. He had his first weekly press conference this week and basically said he was not pleased with the way things have gone in practice today and that kind of stuff. So uh, it could always be something like that, but Dabo tends to be a little bit optimistic. So uh, trying to find things to say and to talk about and discuss, we've, we've discussed a lot in this episode and last week. Um, I don't know how Monday's going to go. 
I know how I hope it's going to go. Um, but I'm just I'm just happy to have Clemson football back in my life. No, I'm in the exact same boat because I feel like I'm putting on a, bo- a bad podcast right here because I don't have that much to say about this upcoming game that we're previewing, but I'm just ready for it to start. I feel like we have to see this team on the field before we're even able to know anything, really. So it could be the same as last year, similar stagnant offense and... Uh, while I th- I'm thinking about it right now, there is another thing I wanted to mention uh, about last year's team and why I think the defense underperformed statistically is because of how poor the offense was performing and not getting off the field on third down uh, is just putting your defense in bad positions to where they're going out there tired every possession. But when you're able to string together at least a couple first downs and a drive, you're really making a difference. So that's one, the biggest area I'm looking forward to seeing Clemson improve on this year is keeping drives alive on offense. Cause under DJU, we struggled on third down. We had no option really other than to hand it to Will Shipley. Yeah. Those three and outs were um, taxing on the defense and I, I complimentary football that was played during the time that we were going to uh, the playoffs every single year, I think was what every fan hopes we get back to eliminate those, those uh, three and outs. And cause I mean, yeah, like you pointed out the, the defense the more they're out there, the more tired they're going to get, the more shots the opposing offense is going to get. And um, I think, I think you see the offense take a step forward and improve. I think you're going to see some of those uh, that fatigue on the defensive side uh, drop off. Yeah, I hope so, at least. All right, final thoughts heading into it. Uh, Matthew, you have a score for us for this uh, first game of the season against Duke. Yeah, I'm going to go optimistic here and kind of hope it's a barn burner. I'm going 45-17 Clemson. Um, Like I said just a second ago, I mean, we just kind of have to see what this team has, and we don't know. All we know is from what Dabo tells us, and that's not always a reliable source. So uh, 45-17, I think uh, our offense will probably go three and out a few times and force the defense to come out tired, which is going to give up a few points. But I'm expecting good things out of Wes Goodwin's defense this year. So uh, it's hard for me. I might not pick a team to score more than 17 against us all year. I am going a little bit closer to what Vegas has set out there. Uh, they're a lot smarter than I am. Uh, so I'm going with 34, 21 Clemson. Um, I think it's going to be close at points, uh, but towards the end there, I, don't, I think like it's not going to feel like a close game and, and the Tigers are going to win it convincingly. So yeah, Clemson looking does- forward I was just going to say, I'm looking forward to going out in uh, Durham after the game and celebrating the Tiger victory. I'm excited for you to do that. Um, I was just going to say that. Uh... Never mind. <laughs> Slipped away. Yep. Uh, regardless, thank you for listening to episode two. Uh, we appreciate you, the listener. Thank you to everyone who follows us on on Twitter and social media and interacts with us. Uh, and shout out to Jason Priester for coming on, uh, a friend of the show. 
I don't know if season two, if we're going to break out the term notchites again this year, I think we need to rework what we call our fans. But, <laughs> um, regardless, he is a friend of the show. Anytime we reach out and, and want to chat, he's always open and available. So, so thank you, Jason. Uh, and join us next week as we review the Duke game and preview the Charleston Southern game. Yeah. Peace. And once again, sorry, but shout out to Pump Monkey Septic Services for sponsoring the episode. And we'll Absolutely. see you next week. unrelated i might even leave this in the episode but i've been popping off on linkedin oh yeah (laughs) i posted uh that i started my internship this week and it has like almost 600 impressions which you're gonna be a a influencer on uh, linkedin (laughs) i'm gonna be a linkedin influencer a linkedin influencer (laughs)